Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. As we begin today, uh, next installment of uh, this Faith in Action series, I would ask you, first of all, has uh, the series so far messed with you? In a good way? Have you become more aware of your words? Yeah. It's pretty amazing once you start recognizing just how you can speak without even thinking the things that you might speak. But I'm telling you, once you train your mind, so much goodness can come from this. So much transformation can begin to happen as we bridle our tongue and utilize it according to you know, God's you know, command and how he would say use it. Because this is a reflection of, again, who we are. It's not a matter of just not saying this. It's don't do that. Don't speak like that because it's not who you are. Your new identity says this is how you speak. This is why you are here as you are being conformed into the image of Christ. Your vocabulary changes. It's going to reflect the word because it's in you. It's who you are. And the more you understand that, I'm telling you, there's going to be a different approach to how we live out the commands of Jesus. Because in the commands are found life. And the more that you are transformed into the image of Christ, the more life you're going to have, the more you're going to see your circumstances differently, and you're going to see opportunity for growth and opportunity to minister, and opportunity, 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 no matter where you are. And so as we talked about the tongue, we're going to lead into another issue that's going to take a lot of faith to conquer in each of us. But I want to start by reading Ephesians 4.29 again. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. Now, do you see how understanding that we are being built and molded and transformed into the image of Christ? Do you understand now that words of education within the body are all about helping each other build up into the image of God? That's what we're doing. It's not again. It's not just like you got this. It's not just it's not just one-dimensional encouragement. It's understanding that each and every one of us are a work in progress, and no matter what we are facing, we can help each other see the greater truth that God is working and that he is working in you and through you and through this situation to transform you more and more into the image of Christ. That's edification. And sometimes we need that reminder from our fellow believers And so, that was a side note, that it may impart grace to the hearers, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't quench it by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. But watch this, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Why? Because it's not who you are. Remember the jacket? It's not who you are. You got to put it away. You got to take it off. You got to remove it. And it's a process. And you're putting on the new image. You're putting on who you are. And so these things are reflective of who you used to be. And we have to look now at bitterness. (laughs) Bitterness is listed with some pretty serious offenses. 
Bitterness is referred to a lot throughout the narrative of Scripture. And we're going to see the dangers of bitterness. But if we look now at Romans 3, 9, see, Paul is saying, what then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have been previously charged, both Jews and Greeks, that all are under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous. No, not one. We all need Jesus. We all need the redemption that is found in his blood. We all need it. We've all fallen short. And then he goes on to say, there is no one righteous, no, not one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. I mean, this is like, But look at what he says. Look at what he couples with this. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they, they practice deceit. And the poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth, under their lips, not lips. Asps and lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and what? And what? Their feet are swift to shed blood. Okay, so bitterness is not good. But yet, I believe many of us are infected by it at some level. And it's toxic. Let me just give you some some definitions of bitterness. Bitterness is resentful cynicism that results in an intense antagonism or hostility toward others. As an adjective, the word bitter means sharp like an arrow or pungent to the taste. Disagreeable, venomous, or poisonous. In a figurative sense, bitterness refers to a mental or emotional state that corrodes or eats away at. Bitterness acts on the mind in the way poison acts on the body. Bitterness is a state of mind that willfully holds on to anger, ready to take offense, able to break out in anger at any moment. Anybody know anybody like this? And maybe you know you. But what we're going to look today is that bitterness is a choice. Bitterness is a choice. So let's look at how it starts. See, bitterness comes from things happening that are beyond your control that you perceive as not being your fault or not fair. Not fair. Unwanted experiences, failures, disappointments, setbacks. And it could be, it it runs the gamut from traumatic to trivial. But again, at the heart of it is this happened to me, it's not fair. It's not fair. In raising children, you hear this phrase a lot. Daddy, that's not fair. I don't care. Life's not fair. Why does she get to do it and not me? It's not fair. But many of us don't lose that mentality. You see, bitterness starts starts in a situation or an experience in which you feel and understand that, yeah, it's not fair. Why do I, why did I have to struggle when no one else did? Why did this happen to me when it didn't happen to anybody else? Why can't I have a family that looks like that? Why do I have my family? 
Why do I have to work in this environment? Why do I have to work with this person? Why do I have to deal with this uncle? Why do I have to deal with this? Why am I sick? Why am I? It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. Why did he get away with treating me like that? That's not fair. It's not fair. Why did I lose my loved one too, so early? It's not fair, right? And the truth is, it, it's not. It's not. So I'm not going to sit here and say, well, it is fair. No. See, this world is corroding away. This world has sin. This world is tainted. And good things happen to good people. And in this life, there will be tribulation and difficulty. And so what we have to understand when we look at bitterness and the root of bitterness, we have to understand when, and when we are beginning to hold on to something. Because... It's justified. It's justified. And often many of us don't know we're bitter because we've justified it. Right? It wasn't fair. I'm, I'm just mad. I'm just mad. They don't know what I've been through. It was hard. I don't have to be joyful. You know why? Because life isn't fair. I don't like it. And we all can be very justified in holding on. And see, and this is where bitterness becomes bitterness because bitterness is holding on to the offense. And so something that might have happened years and years ago is still very present in your life because you allow the effects of that to dictate your emotional being. Because, see, bitterness is like a poison. It infects all. One drop can infect the entire batch of water. See, bitterness corrodes and it affects your spirit. And so, bitterness can lead to wrath, right? You can become an angry person who needs to make everyone hear your grievances. Amen? Anyone know someone like that? No matter what is happening, they still say, no, 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 wait, you need to hear this. Everyone needs to know how angry I am. They need to know, right, how angry I am. And I need to shoot the poison out of my mouth. I need to shoot the arrow out of my mouth because people just need to know. You see, but this has no place with those who call upon the Lord as their hope. Do you see? Jesus was not bitter. And he knew he was going to die. Fair? Absolutely not. And as we are heading, I mean, and this, this, is, this encompasses everything. But if we allow the political state of our nation to make us bitter, why even be a believer? You can stand for what is right, and you, and, you can, and you can vote your conscience, but don't be bitter. But yet so many, ugh. everyone needs to know how evil the other side is. And no matter what they say, even if it's good, I bet it's tainted. Please, our mission in life is not to be bitter, but to be transformed into the image of Christ and to be life and peace and hope that transcends every circumstance. Oh. <laughs> 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 
Siri, come on, let me say it again. <laughs> Siri's bitter. Of course she didn't get it. She wasn't listening. I have all this information that people just want, want, want. No one ever asks how I'm doing. Siri this, Siri that. I'm a human. No, no, I'm a, I'm, I don't know what I am. <laughs> Poor Siri. It would be funny if Siri had a bitter voice. What's the temperature? Uh, 72, whatever. Is it going to change your day? Who's the 23rd president, Siri? Look it up yourself. <laughs> Do some work for once. This is not in my notes. Thank you for that. Squirrel! Transitions here. The person who's bitter is often resentful, cynical, harsh, cold, relentless, and unpleasant to be around. And it started somewhere. We are all, all at risk. All of us. I want to read to you. Luke 15, 25, it's the second half of prodigal son. Prodigal son has returned now. Parties being thrown. And now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. He's celebrating. Is this good news? Jesus is giving this parable for a reason. It has multiple dimensions. The kingdom of God is like. He was explaining how grace works. He was explaining and demonstrating the extreme nature of God's grace. And the extreme nature of the prodigal son and what he did. And how he wasted his father's savings and his inheritance on things that you should not waste your money on. He lived a life that was not holy, not righteous. But yet, when he came back, his father rejoiced. And his father was waiting. You see, his father was new. I feel like the father almost knew he was coming back. That's why he was always watching. Okay, I know he's coming. He wasn't taken by surprise. It was a joyous occasion. And then Jesus now, what he likes to do now, he's like, but now look at another reaction. He likes to contrast that in order to expose people's hearts that were listening. So this is how the older son reacts. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. Come on, join the party. What are you doing? So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you and I have never transgressed. Liar. Maybe externally, he did everything. Your command, I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat. It's not fair. <laughs> that I might, might marry with my friends. I don't really think he had friends. <laughs> but as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots. Harlots, dad. 
You killed the fatted calf for him. Not fat. I love putting emotion into it. Because this is what we sound like in our minds. You see, do you see what bitterness can do? Do you see what happens when you miss the grace of God? When you understand that to be a child of the king, that you do not have to compare. You don't have to try to earn and earn and earn. And all of a sudden, now you've lived a life of trying to do everything right, and he doesn't. And then he gets grace, and I don't get anything. This is what legalism does. This is what the Pharisees brought forth. This is what a heart that allows bitterness to rule. This is how it begins to act. You can't rejoice with others. You can't even really help others because it's still all about you. He made it about himself. And here they are celebrating. And so his dad said to him, son, you are always with me and have, and all that I have is yours. You've just never even asked. You're too busy trying to behave. You're too, too busy not understanding who I am in the heart of who I am as a father. I didn't tell you to do all that. But I have a feeling he has been bitter for a long time. And as it grows and as it grows, it begins to taint your vision and ability to hear. And God is saying, the son, the religious son, missed it. And we could be guilty of that on a daily basis. Because we're still wallowing. And I mean that. Like, and I'm not minimizing anything that's happened to you. But we could get so caught up. And this is not fair. And why this happened to me? I'm a good person. And I've tried hard. I don't deserve this. And they're over there getting blessed. And I'm not getting blessed. And I'm the one who goes to church every week. And they barely go to church. And I read. I've read the Bible through 16 times. And all they have is like the New Testament highlighted every, like every other page. They don't even really know. And they're being blessed. And why? And they get... It's dangerous. And all I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. And the bitter person could not see the miracle. Because they were so wrapped up. It's not fair. Not fair. Bitterness, I think, for believers... The real beginning of bitterness is when we do not change our perception. When we allow the situation to speak lies instead of understanding the truth of how God operates. You see, the father in the story wasn't operating according to the understanding of the son, the oldest son. And therefore, he got very angry. See, Jesus was a master teacher. The son was not happy with how the God, how his father was operating. It wasn't fair. It wasn't right. But yet, Jesus is saying, they were celebrating and it was right. It was right. And so, we all have to guard against it because we can harbor and hold on to an offense. Can't we? And some of you, are very justified. Again, you have endured traumatic circumstances. And this is not to say get over it. But it's not harboring 
a mindset that says, this isn't fair. God's not for me. Why did you do this, God? You're not good. And as that begins to to poison your spiritual life, you can't even be an effective member of the church because you're too busy just... So we have to guard. So how do we guard? Well, let's look at Ruth, book of Ruth, 1 verse 20. This is Ruth's mother. But she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Let me just tell you what's going on here. She's like, don't, it's like me saying, don't call me Russ, call me bitter. That's what Mara means. Don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me bitter. That's who I am because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me and I am bitter. The Lord is against me. He has punished me. Life isn't fair. And I'm going to tell you why. Because you see, we come into the story and what had happened is there was a famine in Israel because they were being judged by God because of their idolatry. And the famine was so bad that uh, her, her husband, uh, it doesn't matter, her husband and her moved to Moab. A godless society, a godless city. It had gotten that bad that they had to go there to even find food. And while in this sinful city, while in this place, who were enemies, while in this place, her husband dies. So there's no food. They've had to move. And now they're in this foreign city, this godless city. And her husband dies. And her two, uh, two daughters, our two sons, marry Moabite women. And we all know about those Moabite women. <laughs> it doesn't, I mean, does she have a right to be upset? She's lost her husband. And her sons now are off with these... Harlots. And now she's come back. And she's like, "Uh uh-uh. My life has been taken. God has dealt with me bitterly. Call me bitter. So the first thing we learn here is who changed their name? She did. God has changed names. You will now be called Israel. Saul, come on, let's call you Paul. But he didn't say, all right, Naomi, I'm going to call you bitter now. Your new name is bitter. No, who chose the name? She did. Because of how she viewed her circumstances. How could this happen to me? Why did God do this to me? He has dealt bitterly with me. This is not fair. This is not fair. This is not right. She had the wrong view of God. She had the wrong view of God. This is how we begin to battle bitterness is by establishing the right view of God. He did not act again according to her understanding, but he was still at work. We have to understand, this is hard to say, it's not all about you. It's all about him. We make it all about us. Our identity has everything to do with him. We're being transformed into the image of who? Not a better version of ourselves, but a new version of ourselves that reflects Christ. 
And he will utilize and allow certain things in our life to further that because he's got a plan. And his plan is for life. And this was a very difficult situation, but it caused her to lose sight of who God really was. To the point where she changed her name. And I dare say some of us internally have changed our name to bitter. The hopes and the dreams that we used to have are gone. And we've adopted this persona that is nothing but bitter. And we can't see good when it comes. Because we're trapped in something that happened back here. But God says you had liberated for that. And I can heal that. And I can restore what was taken. I can restore what was lost. And I can bring you into life despite what has happened. So we have to understand two things or a few things. God doesn't always work according to our will. He doesn't always work according to our timetable. But his work is always right on time. But if we're bitter, we forget that. And if you forget that, you lose sight of hope. Don't you? Because watch this. Ruth 4.14. The Naomi, then the woman said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative and may his name be famous in Israel. Ruth had a baby. Ruth had a baby. And that baby would grow up and have another baby. And there would be another baby and another baby and another baby. And eventually that baby would be Jesus. Jesus. From this situation that caused Naomi to say, call me bitter, for God has dealt bitterly with me. Jesus came from that. Does that speak to who Jesus is? Does that speak to our God and how he views our lives and our situations? And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. And the son of Ruth and Boaz was named Obed. And he had a son named Jesse. And guess who, who son, Jesse had a son and his name was David. David. Isn't that crazy? Ruth was the grandmother. (laughs) Naomi was the great-grandmother. Yeah. So was our God good? This was a tragic situation. Was our God good? Was this painful? Is loss real? Does it rip at your heart? Does rejection hurt? Does being mistreated on a daily basis hurt? Does it feel unfair? Yes. But we choose bitterness. What do we choose to focus on? Action item. You want to write down your action item. Say no. Say no. Say no to bitterness. A lot easier said than done. But we got to start somewhere. Say no to bitterness when you have been offended and you desire to hold on to that. We have to say, no, I'm great. Greater is he who is in me than greater than he is in the world. What can man do to me? Nothing. I'm a child of God. 
He works all things together for good. Even this horrible, nasty work situation and financial situation and health situation, I am being worked on and brought into more of the fullness of God and and more into the image of Christ. Even in this, that's a testimony to a real and living God. This is how we become ambassadors. But some of us, almost like the religious son, kind of do, he's like, I've done everything out here. I've done, I've obeyed everything. I've done everything out here. But he never looked in here. The Pharisees, the outside of their cup was clean, but inside was filthy. See, bitterness can hide. And we can hide behind observances and we can hide behind busy church work. But yet if we're never dealing with the heart of who we are and acknowledging that we need to look inside and say, this can't exist in here or everything I'm doing is in vain. See, we have to begin to look here and say, all right, Lord, help me with this. Yes, I've been hurt. Yes, I have lost and I am still in mourning. I can't get the images out of my head of the things that have happened to me or been said to me, Lord. I can't help. Help. I have done things that I'm bitter towards myself. I can't let myself off the hook. Help. It starts there. And we have to choose the perception. We have to choose and say Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good. For those who love God. To those who call, are called the called. According to whose purpose? For whom he foreknew. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Philippians 4.8. Finally brethren. Whatever things are true. Whatever things are true. Whatever things are true, the truth of your circumstance is not the truth he's saying to dwell on. What things are true, no matter where you are and what you're dealing with, the God of the universe is with you and working all things together for good, for his purpose in you and through you. You will not be destroyed, you will not be defeated. No matter who is president, you will not be defeated. You see? You dwell on what is true. What things are noble, what things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, is there anything praiseworthy right now? So when we worship... Do you understand it's battle? And some of you may not feel like worshiping. Doesn't matter. It's not about you. It's about who you serve. It's about declaring truth. It's about worshiping him when all the cards, everything is stacked against you. When your life has been one failure after another. We worship and we proclaim truth and we worship God and who he is. And this place needs to be filled with joy. See, God, see, he inhabits the praises of his people. He exists within the praises of his people. He is not a God of bitterness. He's a God of praise. 
Because our hope stems from a truth that is eternal and untouchable and unshakable. And we live in a world that is shakable. And when it's shaken, we say, I serve a God that cannot be moved. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of the king. I can have victory through this. Amen. 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 I say, I still don't believe it. <laughs> it's okay to talk in church. Church was never, it never meant to be formalized. People got together and encouraged and praised and learned. And then they went out and it was infectious. It was contagious. Bitterness is not contagious. It is, but in a bad way. Anyone have a buzzkill friend that no matter what good time you're having, it's look at that sunset. Everyone's dying because of global warming. I'm going to take a picture of that beautiful sunset. My iPhone's broken. You see, come on, you all. You got to be determined to walk in who you are. This is a matter of identity. It's a matter of identity. And finally, watch this. Going back to Ephesians 4. Oh, wait. Praise where they meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. Meditate. Meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. I want you to remember that. I'm going to have bruises across my forehead. I don't care. It's for the kingdom. You need to do that sometime. When you start dwelling on the negative and the untrue, go, truth, and hurt yourself. Some of you need a shot collar. These things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do in the God of peace. Thank you. Will be. Will be. There's a promise. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. These all can be re- traced back to bitterness and be kind to one another, tenderhearted. You see, you see the difference? Be kind to one another. When you're bitter, be kind. When you're bitter, be kind. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another. It's the opposite of harboring. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Is this making sense? Yes. You see, we got to deal with the heart. You got to deal with the heart. We all do. All of us are susceptible. All of us. Even Jesus is calling it so good. <laughs> so you all, just as we finish with praise, praise. Again, I do not want to undermine or minimize, minimize what some of you have been through. I know many of you have been through very traumatic situations. But all is not lost. I know many of you have lost loved ones. And that loss can never be replaced. You know what I mean? I'm not saying get over it. 
I'm saying change your perspective. God's still at work. And in Christ, you could have emotional healing. We don't talk a lot about that. But in Christ, we could have emotional healing. Because to be able to say, put anger and wrath away is to say, replace it with joy. Replace it. Replace it. See, we're emotional beings. And often many of us are caught in our own emotions and we feel like we can't break free. And I'm here to say, you can. You've been delivered. You've been purchased with a price. You've been rescued from sin and death. You can walk out from it and you can see differently. And you can look back and be honest about how difficult it was, but you can begin to say, but my God is good. My God is good. My God is good. And I'm going to be reunited with that person one day and it's going to be awesome. And though I can't change what happened to me as a little girl, I can change how I live my life now because I have been redeemed. I have been restored and I have the spirit of God in me. I can overcome because he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. This is how we walk. God is with you and he sees your pain, but he sees the healing and he sees purpose and he sees how he's working it together for the good of his will and for the good of you. None of you are disqualified. good. Jesus, thank you. You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ, visit his website at russfalachi.com. That's russ, F-A-I-L-L-A-C-I.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.